up, guys? Uh, here's the thing, right? So we recorded this episode with Wayne a um, couple of days ago, maybe like almost a week before Roma played Empoli. Um, and basically, yeah, we didn't know that Roma was going to win 7-0. So now, like, the situation is a little bit different, I guess. It kind of feels silly to release the episodes because we kind like... When Wayne unleashes on Roma, it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you feel sour and dour and, you know, but um, he still has some points and I don't know why he talks to us, to be honest. Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, so it's funny because a friend of mine. Yeah. Had to go to Korea for a business trip, and he hurt his left foot just before that. It was like a convention, so he literally had to walk around for like a whole week just talking to people. Um, I last year in August, I hurt my foot. I have no idea how. I just swelled up. Like I just stepped wrong or something because we had a pretty big step in the hallway. And a couple of days ago, like a week ago, I fucked up the left foot again. <laughs> uh, just. We moved into a new place. I'm not used to it, right? So I kicked the like the door, the leg of a couch, and pretty sure broke my toe. And also two years ago, my first Ooh. day in Czech Republic, I almost like uh, broke the foot, like basically what Gordon Hayward did. Um, first day in, in Prague, Ooh. trying to carry all of my suitcases and briefcase, like everything. And like a computer to screen, like if I get everything. <laughs> so yeah, uh, left feet, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but like everybody's getting injured. Like my girlfriend broke her left foot as well. So. But yeah, man. Fun times. Um. So yeah. yeah. How 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 did it happen? If I may ask. No, so it's just a five-a-side game. You know, some thirty-somethings. We play for about two hours on a Saturday morning. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I got a birthday gift about a month ago with these new boots, but they're very tight. And so I'm like, okay, they're tight. I'm going to have to break them in. Uh, and I've used them like three times. And my my foot was starting to get a bit painful. And then someone probably stepped on me or kicked me or something like that. But it's so which would cause inflammation, but the boot doesn't allow any inflammation. So it ends up just crushing the foot. I mean, I'm going to find out from yeah. the doctor exactly why tomorrow, but uh, yeah. So, but that's how it happened. It's more the bad shoes. Yeah, Good I, luck, I think man. when we're younger, you could break in shoes. I don't think that you can do. <laughs> I can do that at my age anymore. You know those. You know, I was actually. I I I was wondered. Um... Does I saw a picture of a LeBron's foot. I don't know why somebody posted a link on Reddit, and I was like, "What is this?" Um, considering athletes have their feet deformed, you see it sometimes. Does that happen a lot in football? Like you kick the ball a lot. Like, do, does your foot look normal after a whole career? Or do you like have toes grow together and just <laughs> like what, what? I don't. I don't know how how I want to phrase this, but like yeah, no, the awful thing is I'm googling to find out. So I was like Messi's feet, and then <laughs> don't I, Google the bronze foot. Oh my god! Like Google is going to be like on my search history, Messi's feet. But I don't know, like. The few footballers whose feet I have seen, they seem fairly... I, I suppose if you're a professional footballer, you start wearing... You, you know, like, they... I remember, for instance, Beckham, and, like, when I learned about this, uh, you remember that Adidas, that Predator, the one that became famous in the 90s or something? Uh, yeah. And when soccer boots are now becoming, like, big retail sales... Because of athletes like Beckham, Zidane, using that Predator and all this stuff. They would go and uh, basically put his feet in clay or something like that where they get the, I don't know, the outline. And then they make the boot specifically with his foot in mind. Yeah. And so that alone is taking away so many stability issues, so much pressure issues. And... 
So if you've been using the right equipment for the longest time, uh, if you've been playing soccer since, like, been in an academy since you're 12 or something like that, and then by the time you're a professional, there are, I don't want to say hand-making, but whatever the word is, then I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure. Then it's not necessarily kicking the ball that's going to be an issue. It's rather all the kicks and knocks and scrapes from other people. That's going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just wondering. I don't know. I've never played anything long enough. Like I've, I guess my longest career is in rowing, mm. and my 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 feet and uh, like hands have very 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 thick skin in certain places where like I can literally dig through seven layers of skin and still not even like reach a place where it where I can feel it. Like <laughs> it's just. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, what happens to athletes' feet? But yeah, uh, Don, did you ever have any left feet injuries? Left foot? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't injure my legs until probably uh, Wednesday. <laughs> What's gonna happen on Wednesday? That's when I start my uh, five-a-side league. Oh, nice. Yep. Wait, is it football or basketball? Football. Yeah. Good luck. Seven on seven. On seven. Wait, yeah, you can have that in the U.S., in New Hampshire or whatever? Yeah. Damn. Yep. Um, I've been wanting to, play, wanting to play football for a while now. Uh, the last time I played was like 2019. So it's going to be nice. a little bit of a learning curve getting back into it. Yeah. Last time I played football was very long ago. Uh, if yeah, you are getting back, yeah, you should watch out. I've been in this... So I didn't play much from whenever COVID and all the different lockdowns happened uh, for about a year and a half, two years. And, you know, like when you're indoors all that time, you pick up a lot of weight. And so then I went back and started playing probably about 15 kgs heavier than I was before, trying to do all the things that I was doing before. The dynamic. <laughs> yeah, do not do that. Uh, if you're going to play, ease your way back into it depending on whatever your style is, and start working on... Goalkeeper. Oh. <laughs> you should be fine. Yeah. The only thing that happens is, like, I hyperextend both hands, so... trying to, I like trying to catch the ball. Just and don't... I've, jammed, I've entirely... I've jammed my entire hand. I, like, reached out for a penalty, mm. saved the penalty, but my hand continued to go, and the, my entire left hand went into the post. That was a wonderful day. Oof. Uh, sounds painful. Oh, it Just was don't, painful. don't play like Rui. That's all. Oh, I don't stand still. I move. <laughs> so let's start talking about Roma, shall we? <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite topic. No, seriously. Uh, Wayne, I have to ask immediately off the bat, Rui or De Gea? <laughs> So do you know the problem is you know I'm a Manchester fan, so no. like I obviously hate them both. <laughs> and hate is a strong word. I would rather not <laughs> Wait, have to seriously? watch them as my team's keeper. Uh and it is a bit sad. It feels like the two two clubs are it, it feels like a perpetual circle of of misery which is now cyclical. Because it's Jose Marino, it's De Gea, it's Lukaku, uh it's like you know those where you think you're in a dream and something bad happens and you're it's a relief that you wake up, but it's like waking up into that same dream continuously. Ah, but I I mean obviously the gear is a better keeper, but so, they're both they're both extremely flawed and not fit for the yeah. modern game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rui is just uh. uh I don't know, man. Like, you expect a goalkeeper nowadays when they're going to like 38, 39, you're like, ah, yes, we got like one or two more seasons out of him, and then he's going to be definitely too slow. Roy just does not fucking move. He's like 35, 34 or something. He doesn't move. Mm. Just stand there. Yeah, I I was hoping we'd get like an MDS. Remember DeSanctus Morgan? He came through. He was not the best keeper at all, but just his communication and a very young team. And uh, because he was part of that Benatia Castan mm-hmm. team, one of the best ones that we've had, and not necessarily being that good, but he understood the details. You'd get people organized, 
And then you also understood where you could get the ball and where you could come out. Yeah. But yeah, the, the thing is, I don't want them buying more over-the-hill premiership players who have no motivation and are like, too expensive in terms of the wage bill, and they're just looking for a last paycheck. Yeah, the hair was like. Are you wanting to be buying hungry players? It's enough with the Lukaku. And... <laughs> okay, so I have to ask. I like I have three questions, and I just have an idea which order to ask them in. Number one, do, do you still not watch Roma games? Do you still like sabbatical until Jose leaves? Or uh, pretty much. I mean, do you know what? If I, if I'm at home and I'm aware the game is on. Before you know, like at the start of each week, the first thing I do, let's say you go go to work, before you even look at your emails and your work schedule, yeah. the first thing is when is Roma playing? How do I book that time off? And then everything else in life comes after that. Now it's uh, oh, it's a weekend. Uh, there should be some soccer games. Let me check the score. Oh, what time does Roma play? Oh, they've already played. Great. At least I didn't have to watch. <laughs> Yeah, if, I mean, there's people on Kiel. on, I'll watch for about 10 minutes, and if it's awful, I'll switch it off. Or I'll leave it as background noise. You know, like you you put it there, and then you switch on the, the big screen, and you play Elden Ring. And then as soon as the team starts losing, you switch it off, because it's going to affect your mood for the... Whether you're watching a movie or you're... You know, it's 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 ambient noise now. That's how I take it in. Wait uh, if the game is good and the team is playing well, then obviously you watch for longer. I'm sorry, you said, you said if if we suck. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, so never. Hey, Wayne, question for you: Which yeah. kicks you in the yeah. balls more, uh, Elden Ring or Roma? Uh no, definitely Roma. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the thing is, Elden Ring's frustration is. So I'm a big from software fan you know like i like the difficult things the things that are a bit more challenging uh and it's it's hard but fair that's always been like the from software mantra there is a solution and you can get to it with roma with the cycle it's it's a locked labyrinth that we can't get out of so it's easier to take one depressing thing knowing it will end as opposed to Roma, where it just doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. That's actually convenient to say that, because I really wanted to talk about something like that today. Um, I'll, we'll get to it. It's like part of a larger topic, I guess. Uh, I have to ask second thing from earlier, just like a small question, I guess. When the news was coming up about Mason Greenwood potentially joining and Jose called him and whatever, <laughs> what was your reaction? Uh... Do you know the weird thing is I don't think I've been well. Obviously, the two academies that I like monitor. I love when homegrown players come through, and may, I haven't been as excited for a young player coming through the academy who I actually followed in the academy into the first team since probably uh, De Rossi. And so I was a big Mason Greenwood fan until it became. Uh, problematic to be a big Mason Greenwood fan. Uh, yeah, he, he would have been excellent for any team. I thought the sky's the limit in terms of two-footed player who can hit the ball that uh, quick, quick-footed, uh, accurate with the shots, uh, and just presents so many problems for defenders. He's going to be a well. He was going to be a goal machine. Now that his career is mirrored with the controversies that uh, have such a spotlight in our day and time, it's it's no longer about football with him. Whether or not yeah. whatever he did, he did or he didn't do, it's uh, he's going to suffer because it's it's a more important global issue. Yeah. So a lot of people. Like there was debate, there was like two types of people actually. Not mm. not that many debates, but just there was very clear two types of people. One that go like, I don't care what he does, I don't care. I'm watching Roma for football. I don't watch Roma for social mm. justice. And then there were people who are like, I don't want a dude who does what he does on my team. Like I don't care about football that like more than anything else. But you know, like I care about Roma, but I don't want to associate myself with such people. So. 
<laughs> is it okay if I ask where you stand on that? Because again, it can be a very, very personal topic. But you're a lawyer, so that's why I want to know. I'm not just a lawyer, I'm a human rights lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I probably stand somewhere in the middle of that. The thing is, absolute opinions are just. I don't think it's it's useful to go around life having absolute opinions. I think everything is contextual yeah. to the specific issue. Uh, and so uh, I do think the there is a responsibility for society to deal with certain things and take them seriously. And stuff like GBV, uh, that particularly the stuff that's systemic in society, uh, I do mm-hmm. think there's like the corporate responsibility. And it, it's also, you can break it down further than that. Like, let's say okay, you, you don't care about social justice, you don't care about what's right, you don't care about society. Ultimately, you, what soccer is as a business is you're selling to a market. And you're selling to a global market when you're at the level of big uh, global football teams that have a global fan base. And you then have to steer within a certain parameter where you keep your brand about the brand and you're not you don't turn off the 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 market base and there are certain things that you should then avoid and so from a commercial point of view it makes complete sense i know what manchester wanted to do was to bring him back and i know from their like investigations and everything they thought that he did nothing wrong or whatever he did wrong was not like he the the evidence of what actually happened as opposed to how people were treating him there seems to be a disjuncture but that commercial side still applies he is still someone who the public views him a particular way and just because that's the case then you the commercial thing to do is to not associate with him and so that's not you imposing any of your own morality to the situation. But there are certain, you, you know, like the, I wouldn't touch that with the 10 foot pole. There are now certain topics which are too sensitive that like you literally can't touch with a 10 foot pole. As soon as you're accused of yeah. and it's no longer about you. So, and I think that's whether he's guilty or not, that's definitely what's happened to him. Uh, yeah. It's almost worth if he tries to kind of clear his name, produce all the evidence, because the, the, a public trial is not about fact anymore. It's just about what were you particularly accused of and how sensitive is society to that. How and there's a reason why they're very sensitive to what you was accused of. So yeah. that's a bit of a cop-out answer, I mean, but I mean, that's my answer. It's like I treat each situation depending on what the actual facts of the matter are. But that's what every lawyer does. Yeah. Yeah. I No, I, I, I get what you're trying to say. It's just like, people got pissed because once you hear, once you like heard those tapes, mm. like I, I'd imagine as a lawyer, you hear a lot of, you know, fucked mm. up stuff. But people, like regular people don't, and you hear those tapes and suddenly in your mind you're just done, that's it, like there is no thinking, there's just a mass of people echo-chambering, you know, the conviction, essentially, and once that starts, it's just, you're fucked up, that's that's what it is, and uh, it doesn't matter what happens anymore, like, uh, I don't know what happened, she, like his girlfriend dropped the charges or something, like, people kind of know that it probably happened because probably she doesn't want, you know, her baby to grow up in the family that started like that way or whatever, like, wants to try to make it all normal. But, like, people just don't mm-hmm. care. They heard the tapes and once you hear something that's awful, you're just done. That's yeah. It. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's strange. It's, I don't know. I don't remember anything happening with that, but... Yeah, it's a tricky one because, I mean, there's a lot of different versions uh, that people have heard. I think I I heard something that the tapes might have been altered whilst there were certain accurate elements of those tapes. Uh, They might have been manipulated to present a different story, but I'm not going to sit here and defend them. Uh, If 
anything close to what those tapes represented was happening, that's enough for people to be done. Like that at that stage, we don't really care how good a footballer you are. Yeah, understood. That's um. Why do you hate Lukaku? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, at least it's simpler for football reasons. At least now we can talk about foot actual stuff on the field. Well, I mean... Sorry, I... Uh... <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying that as in, like, the Greenwood stuff. It's just that that is a, a player who... There's so much to like about him from uh, a football ability point of view. He's a perfect modern player. In being press resistant, being good on the ball, being able to take on defenders, be able to shift both ways. The quick shot uh, where he can get a shot through with a defender in front of him uh, as long as he has a certain amount of space. Lukaku is, uh, and the agility and speed, Lukaku is a polar opposite. And that's so obviously we don't talk about Greenwood because of the stuff that he does off the field, but. Lukaku cannot control a ball well enough uh, for a professional uh, team. He is he is very heavy and clumsy in his movements. Uh, so there's not a lot intentional that you can do around him. So you think maybe of like a Didier Drogba. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go to like Dalpier, Tati, or even at Zeko. You know, the guys who can be the last man up, control the ball, and dictate play after controlling the ball, whether it's one-two passes, whether it's playing people through, your touch and your balance allows you to always have options. Uh, I know you guys like uh, basketball references, but it's like uh, uh, Steve Nash. What made Steve Nash better than everyone else was essentially his balance and ability to keep the ball alive, meaning that at any one moment, if a particular scenario presented itself, depending on how the defense is marking either him or his teammates, you'd be able to make the right decision and play. And that's because there's not a window where that opportunity isn't available. As opposed to someone who's clumsy, you know when they're dribbling, they're looking down only, their dribble hesitation means that, you know, like it's first look down, look up, wait for the ball, and then if the pass is still open, and that's the thing with Lukaku is he's just a play finisher and a clumsy one at best and not someone who's going to allow the way the modern game is played to be played. Even someone like Haaland, who's quite flawed from a technical point of view, he can still, he does one-touch passes, he holds up the ball while he gets off it quickly so that those limitations don't happen. Lukaku is not like that. He's Everything is slow and clumsy and clumbered, and so it will dictate how you play. Now, you could get 20, 25 goals from him, which is great, and but you already put a cap on how you play. And for me, that's the biggest problem I have with Roma is how they play. Lukaku is doubling down on playing like your, how football was played 20 years ago. So why did we get him? <laughs> what, what do you think? Name. What, what, what I mean, at this point, it's just... Oh, one, uh, uh, I'd given up hope that Jose would play any other way. What he wants is just a big guy who's going to occupy defenses whilst the other nine people are defending for their lives and kicking the ball forward. Right. He is a goal scorer. Uh, Jose Marino doesn't need a striker who holds up the ball. He's not trying to uh, play position play. Assigning Lukaku is like all confirmation of that. He's saying the squad is not good enough, so we will be a long ball team essentially, and you just need a big guy for the set pieces and for the long balls. So, is do you think the squad is good enough? Because I'll tell you my theory. I just want like, I just want confirmation. Like I guess from. I said I've been saying for a long time, like even though I absolutely hate Kristan watching Kristan to play. No, I don't hate him as yeah. a person, I just hate watching him play. I despise watching yeah. Pellegrini play. I feel like a good coach could get more out of them than Jose is getting. I feel like Fonseca was getting something out of Pellegrini and it was pissing me off because what we got out of him was a very selfish player who 
makes the wrong decision literally every single time he has the ball. Like when he should shoot, he passes. When he should pass, he shoots. But he was aggressive. He was pulling attacks. He was everywhere on the pitch. He was like he was Roma, and we had an identity. Like he was the attack, and everything was going with him. Like something was happening. So is this team constructed okay? Is it a horrible, shitty team of this? Uh, I don't know. Rejects and injured players uh, it, it's difficult to make an assessment thing. now but the i don't actually mind the squad in terms of the pool of talent we've brought through feel like there was potential for this team to be better than last year's team and in that this squad offers a lot more solutions than last year's the problem is exactly what you're saying is that it unless you bring a Cruz or, you know, like someone who's, from a name point of view, is clearly better. It doesn't matter if we've got uh, Anwar, uh, Santo, Renato, or uh, Paredes. If Cristante and Lorenzo fit, mm-hmm. they're still the protagonist of the project. And it'll be them and Lukaku. And so as long as that's the case, you're still going to play a certain way. So there is hope for the team to look a certain way if either the club is brave enough to make certain decisions, Marino is brave enough to make certain decisions, or we get some injuries. Uh, I do like what a Paredes, Renato, Anwar midfield would look like, or I do like that we do have options now Mm -hmm. that could technically say they form form a better midfield than using uh, our local boys who are frustrating to watch. Uh, the squad clearly has gaps, particularly in the wide areas. We do not have good fullbacks. We do not have winners. And uh, we lack uh, centre-back depth as well. So it's it's a bit like... And the, the thing about why Lukaku's signing is also so horrible is... We are finally getting Bellotti to to see the Bellotti that we expected. And they're not strikers that complement each other. They're not strikers that are going to be able to play with each other. And not Bellotti at least, yeah. why the idea of Bellotti, as in, like, let's say you're getting the very best of him, is this goal scorer who's sharp, who occupies defenders but who's also great at link-up link play. He might not be the most elite goal scorer, but he, you know, he can play in the channels, he can hold up play, he can, he can move the ball. And he's a guy who, he's Lukaku without the flaws, right? The, obviously, Lukaku is just a bigger, stronger body. So he has potential for more goals. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that then plays out. We still don't have a keeper. We still don't have fullbacks. So it's. I think we the signings indicated that the club seemed to understand where the fault lines are, but Cristante and Lorenzo are here, so I'm not sure if that's going to help. And we still we're, we're too shallow up wide, so we're not going to get Champions League. Oh yeah. Um... It's kind of funny, like, in the press conference Pinto just uh, held a couple of days ago, I don't know if you read or listened, he basically kind of said Champions League is not really the goal anymore. Um, and I felt like, everyone was like, oh my god, look, we are giving up on Champions League. They're like, To me, it just sounded like he was just backing what Jose said, that the squad is kind of fun. Like, Pinto seems like dude who would never, ever compromise any sort of PC or any sort of like nice good looking you know corporate type of conversation and corporate talk like you would never compromise anything looking bad or slightly negative like everything is good everything is okay we know what we're doing no worries sometimes it's hard but it's still kind of funny to hear from both coach and general manager of the club like guys we're not aiming for champions league we're not good enough it's like we have the second highest wage bill in the league (laughs) again what do you mean we're not going for the champions league what are we doing then? Like, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. So, do you, do you have any faith at all in what's going on so far with the management? Like, not Jose, but 
depends on uh, it, it's difficult to judge because know that they picked up a mess and the solutions if you're also trying to be compliant with these real or imaginary ffp rules uh there are no simple solutions but the fact that they've kept on signing expensive has been free agents you know like it's not that i don't like some of these players it's not that you don't like a Paredes or a Matic, a, a Smalling. The problem is these are guys who are not that much uh, more talented than, let's say, Castan uh, or Benatia, who come from, who would have come from different backgrounds, but who at least allow you to have a reasonable wage structure. So, and there, again, there's that whole lack of motivation thing. And for me, what I would criticize Pinto about is that is the we're, we've been in a cycle of signing uh, essentially reserves from top teams. Uh, and it hasn't yielded anything. Uh, if anything, I feel like it has allowed Pustante and Lorenzo to seem like they are viable protagonists. Yeah viable people to lead the thing whereas if we were still scouting and getting young players the best young talent that's coming through that talent could be able to come through and do better at more reasonable wages and then displace uh, some of the players that don't play so well so that's where I judge them but I also understand the limitations that are presented to them by what they picked up and what financially you can Did you actually uh, get into understanding FFP because it's highly complicated? Like it's not as simple as it was anymore. The, the thing is with all the agreements and the court cases, particularly PSG, Man City, they've made such a joke of it that, you know, it feels silly now to be spending a lot of time looking into all that stuff and uh, because it's quite clear that Certain clubs can just disregard it if they want, and if they can put yeah, enough yeah. lawyers at it. But essentially, it's a three-year rolling uh, wage bill where you have to stay within a certain percentage off, and that's why we're always making these loan signings where the payments kick off another year, and then there's amortization, yeah. which is this own complicated thing, which relates to contracts. We're stuck in this hell because. I- getting people at these large contracts. It's the same thing with Manchester. They, why they haven't been able to change their team to the modern style of football is because they had so many people on all these high contracts as the game was evolving. And once you have those contracts like the gear, it's difficult to get out of it. And- I just wanted to hear your opinion on this because you obviously have experience with Jose from United days. My theory on this whole thing is that Pinto gets players that Jose will use because I feel like there's no point in getting Corazhelia and players like that who are talented but you know need need to be coached, need to be taught the game. Whereas Jose just does not do that. Uh, I feel like he just needs players who know how to play that he can tell them, hey, go do this. This is your special task. And I feel like Zalewski has kind of adapted to that. But other than that, like Zalewski is special like one of rare you know young players who can adapt to that but i feel like the whole thing of getting these reserves from good teams is because of jose and i'm not sure if the, like i sound like a hater but <laughs> i don't know if you if you get what i'm trying to say that like we have no other choice like just the coach couldn't be able to play them Yes, we we know. I mean, there's like one young player who, like Santon, is the only guy who really uh, came through the ranks. It's Jose. Uh, there might be some other very obscure players, but he has a terrible track record. And I'm sure that figures into what Pinto is doing in mm-hmm. getting more experienced, mature players that Jose would use. Uh, and maybe that's a deal for having him around. Uh, which is fine and I understand, but it's why bet on 
Jose Marina, particularly after everything that we've seen, it felt like the best thing would have been a divorce this last summer. But yeah, uh, yeah. But it, it's if, for instance, we're signing all these bright young players or obscure players, yeah, he just wouldn't use them and keep on watching the same thing. So it, it at least we're not making expensive mistakes. I think that's the only thing I've been happy about uh, recently. Yeah, that's true. Is that we're just not throwing money away like we used to, where you know, like, why are you signing a two bear? Why are you signing half these guys where you can see just from the tape that the players don't fit? I mean, I say that, but we're also signing Lukaku now. Well, at least just as wage bill, but it's still an insane amount. I mean, it's it's a loan, I guess, and. Uh... Oh you know getting all the big names possible i hear i feel like we wanted to get ramos as well just you know get all the big names make it the retirement party for jose and his friends <laughs> the, yeah he, he went to sevilla yeah i actually have a theory on that right uh so i i feel like jose has a bit of trauma from being fired a lot and I think what he's been doing at Roma more than anything is just trying to stay here for an extended period of time. And he has learned to avoid internal controversy. And he's been trying to create a situation where he is loved internally in the building and he is bringing in people who are loyal. So it's not necessarily that his objective is trying to build the best Roma team that can win the most games. It's like even the way he has backed Cristante and Lorenzo, that is more about job security than it is about footballing and analysis. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I kind of, I got sick of just reading everything that comes out of Roma because I just can't unsee and unhear the PR talk. It's Everything is about image, everything is about exactly what you said, like there is no drama, everything's perfect, everything's great, but then you have Matic leaving the club out of nowhere to go to a mediocre French team, and a news comes out that it's because his wife got a job there, and then you kind of think about it for two seconds and realize that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not an excuse to leave a club, it's like, my wife got a job in France, I gotta go now, guys. Yeah, that's... I don't know. To really leave Roma and Rome and to leave Jose, like the guy who spent 15 years playing for, I don't know. But yeah, um, just feels like something happened there and Jose just said, whatever is anything, any sort of drama, nothing. He's like, nope, see ya. Yeah, uh, it sounds, sounds plausible. Um, yeah, I mean, it's also Matic probably would have been the one most likely to speak to truth to power. To explain, a like, some of these players are just not good enough. What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you think he was like, I'm not playing with Cristante anymore. Good to see you. I'm sure something. I mean, I, I, well, you might have been a lot more subtle about it, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. I, I think you will talk through yeah the limitations, and this is why we are on a hamster wheel. And. Yeah, it does seem like it. that he doesn't want to or can't do whatever it is that's required. It, it is surprising that, that we did not get uh, part ways with Jose. I thought that that's it. The horrible results, you know, kind of cemented it. But no, but he's just staying here, and I feel like Jose is just gonna ride this year out and then stay at Roma as something else, like ambassador slash director of something at Roma like I'm not sure what but he'll just say I'm done with coaching I can't I love this club I want to stay here like exactly what the reasons he said that he just wants somewhere where he belongs his fans love him here the Friedkins are not blind like they see that we are playing exactly like even if they don't know anything about football they surely see that they're watching exact same thing week in and week out like that there is no change and I don't know I it doesn't feel like we're getting anyone permanently at least, so that's a good thing. So we didn't get Morata for four fucking years. I would not have watched Roma with Morata for four years. That's that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, no, I was happy about that. Uh, and honestly, I I do like the 
the only thing I like about that whole short-termism is that we're just trying to see out the Soza period. We don't want to be stuck with the mistakes of it. And so yeah. it's all these loan agreements, all these free agents. It's all these contracts which are very short-term and end. So if it all blows up and we have to completely retool, we'll be doing that from, from the ground, right? We'll be doing that without having to carry these contracts. And too many times that's what happens with Roma is, the, I mean, this whole cycle started with, if you remember that uh, Totti team that grew old all at the same time, I think like Balzaretti mm. and them, uh, I forget, but uh, we Michael. were signing. Yeah. It's the, so it is good that we are, we're not going to have too many, the, the squad seems, uh, flexible enough to have a different way after Jose Marina. It's difficult because Club Rock Roma, if you sign Jose, you probably, you kind of have to see it through. It's not like we would have been guaranteed to have done better. But if you are firing Jose after one or two years, you, there's probably a PR thing there for you as well. So it's once you made the first mistake <laughs> of having Mourinho as your as you know, everything else is then reasonable in that context. Yeah. I like that you call it a mistake, but um, cool. Well, I have got I have got <laughs> yeah, no problems. Yeah, I was I was very happy mistake. at first. I was just I didn't like know that much about his football. I just I saw it at United and I just blamed Pogba for it because Pogba was, I guess, a reason. You know, to, to look at United's results and be like, yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah. he was like, what, the first player or something to be paid more than 10 million? And he was like 20 million or something a year. Like, he, he, he screwed up so many things for United. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I wanted to ask you do you have any preferred choices for coaches after next year? Or even if we lose to Empoli in a couple of days? No. Not really. So uh, you, you'd have to be watching football enough to, like, I used to have, uh, felt like I had a beat on who some of the best coaches were, what they were doing, uh, yada, yada, yada. But it's now, it's, uh, I don't know the landscape, but I know Do what tell. they should be looking for. All uh, right. It's, well, at least what I think they should be looking for is the same thing I'm always talking about in terms of the modern way of playing a ball possession-based game. So if, for instance, for some reason you could get Roberto Di Zerbi from Brighton, that'd be perfect. It's just that right now, in all honesty, yeah. Brighton is a bigger club than us. It wouldn't make sense to leave. Like, if he's leaving them he would be going to man city or somewhere else like that but that's you can see the kind of coach who's gone and implemented a system whereby there's better spatial awareness there's better space use the team is able to play uh football out the back is able to press i is able to control a game it, those teams invariably do better than others and the coaches that can implement that and coaches like the guy at Brighton who's shown that he's able to implement that almost regardless of personnel in that he's now done this through uh, he's done this with different iterations of players or players that no one really knows and so the person who then will know at least if he gets there he'll give the scouting profile the right description of the right kind of talent that should be coming into the club. And that for me is more... So even if he fails after two, three years... we. So for me, like I think one of the most successful years for the club was the... the uh, Zen... Uh, how do you say his name? Zeman Zedek. Yeah, the Bohemian. Terrible season from a results point of view in terms of we finished eight and, 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 and. But the amount of players who developed in that, right, 
uh, allowed us to one grow a lot of young players and uh it provided the foundation for everything else that we built because at least we and that's i think what i liked about as horrible as that the stupid owner was before the his approach and Sabatini's approach in came through and wanted to keep that magic and it was incrementally building through that and you see the profile of coaches uh Luis Enrique, that uh, that Barcelona system style of play, uh, the even Paulo Fonseca, the there's a football identity, there's a football school that they're all a subset of. Even if it didn't work, Luis Garcia, it was all trying to do that same thing uh, in a different way. And Jose Marino is, feels like we completely gone the wrong yeah, direction. I mean watching your team um, be dominated by Verona in a game where you want to make up for the loss in the first round is uh, not not fun. But you would take Fonseca back? It's not that I would take Fonseca back, but I would definitely rather watch a Fonseca managed team than a Jose Marino managed team. <laughs> so I, I think he is flawed and limited and he would be schooled in Italy, which is a lot more tactical. And I think even though he had certain modern principles and he can be a good coach in certain places, there's only so much he can do. Uh, there's only so much his philosophy gets to. Whereas I think there are other, like Roberto De Zerbi, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just coaches who are better and who are better at... Uh, imposing their philosophy and who have a more expansive philosophy of football, which allows decisions. I I absolutely love Fonseca as just a person. um, How he was with the media, how he was with the players. Everyone had just nice words about him. I watched a video about about him and how he prepares for the games. It's so, so obvious that we don't prepare for the games the way we did with Fonseca nowadays. Like, with the whole video session, with the whole teaching players exact like roles and everything, you, you you just see that's all gone. You just see that Jose is more like giving people tasks to do on the field rather than prepare them tactically. I don't know. Yeah. It just it, it's really weird watching Roman nowadays. Yeah, it's uh, uh, what he does. Is he concentrates on the other team, right, and yeah. not necessarily on how we're trying to break up, move the ball, and so the players get all these assignments on how we're going to stop the other team and then uh, the rest of it go figure it out yourself and it's for the kind most of really, really really annoying like every yeah. time every time i talk to anybody or see comments from people who clearly know football they're like okay so our wing backs are not doing this our strikers are not doing this our midfielders are not doing this our defenders are not doing this like what are we even practicing and it's like then other other people who don't really gets too deep into the conversations you've probably had your run-in with them in Chiesa. they all go like ah oh, you, you don't know what you're talking about we're fine looking and just a bunch of excuses about why things are going badly but like we don't have tactical development of the players like, it's, it's literally just go figure it out yeah and signed Lukaku and it was like how is this different from Zaniolo Zaniolo was a player who was forward and then we throw the ball to him and say Go figure it out. You were versus five. Go score. <laughs> it's got to be the yeah, same. It, it exactly that. It feels like in basketball, you call it iso ball, right? Just throw the yeah. ball to someone, stand out of the way, and see if he can beat everyone. Uh, there, there, there's no intentionality about anything. It's not that we're trying to attack through the half spaces. It's not like we're trying to get balls into the box. Yeah. We just defend, and then we have the ball for a bit, and hopefully we can shoot. You know, like that. It's it's literally checkers as opposed to chess, uh, in every sense of the word. We're so analog that they we do not present any any issues except from a physicality point of view, uh, tactical issues for teams, and and that's been the tradition with uh, Marina. So it's not like I, and that's why it was so easy to stop watching because I knew, like, if you don't know, yeah. you can, you know, there's you have to go through those five stages of death, Nile, and that's where most of Chiesa would stay 
and have stayed for years you know like bargaining oh no but this this is why this is no it's the the game has has evolved the basketball reference right where (laughs) off of these centers came completely obsolete after the like people like the elite guards like steph curry and them who can shoot very well and so now you have to be able to guard at the perimeter if you're before you could if you're just tall and big you had a role in the nba because we needed a few guys who could throw a check or could you know like were just yeah. tall and take the paint but as the shooting has uh, has happened and as the game has become more fluid more screens more flares more more actions it means that if you're a big man you need to be able to move around a lot and take care of a lot more and so now as a if you're a center and you're not a phenomenal scorer or a phenomenal playmaker you you're not going to make it into the league unless you can move your feet very well and defend guards who are much quicker than you and i've that's yeah. where Roma is, is that the game has changed. You do not see these type of players anymore on smaller teams. We are almost the, the dustbin, you know, like the garbage truck where the old antiquated pieces of football that no longer fit the big teams go to is the last salvage for them to still make money at a high rate whilst playing for a supposed top team. And even small teams now have learned the modern way. So we're literally just... The only thing that keeps Roma afloat, as in not being a, uh, a relegation team, is the strength of talent. But in every other way... HR, he just called Roma yeah. garbage <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do. We collect the garbage and then try and throw it out on the pitch and say that it's a, a product. Because it's absolutely insane we have the second largest wage bill given the product. But we won the, the conference league. Oh my god, it's the best achievement of all time. Uh... Yeah, but we won the conference league with a bunch of nobodies and then we go get a bunch of somebodies and then we don't win anything again. You see, that's the thing. The the strength of talent of has-beens, they're more than good enough to go and lay waste to the conference league. But it's the rest of Europe that is like, uh, once you go to the rest of Europe, then now you see yourself yeah. embarrassed. The, the, the Europa Cup, as long as you're playing, uh, you get a good draw and you're playing teams from countries you've never heard of. That's simple. But once you get to a stage where you're not playing proper teams, you know, we're now going to be assaulting refs because of we're going yeah. through those five stages. It's all about the referees. It's all about trying to beat the fouls. It's all about, ah, we didn't get a penalty. That's why we lost. Well, that's the story in every single game. And when the story is the referee sucks in every single game we play, it's kind of like obvious that maybe it's not the referees. We never needed ref to give us a penalty oh. against Cagliari when we, we we had Fonseca. No, it was five one. It was a very clear victory. We beat a team. Because that's the thing. It's not like we dominated the game and the refs are the only reason we didn't win, right? It's you you mad at the ref because you're like the ref is was our ticket to winning this. Because without his decision or lack of decision, there was yeah. no other path. Um, it, it, it feels, it's starting to feel very political. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Um, so I'm from Serbia. We have a dictator who uses very cheap tricks that like, if you have IQ above 80, you can see them. But a lot of the country doesn't, unfortunately. A lot of the country mm-hmm. is just stuck in the 50s, the post-World War II. And it works on a lot of them. It's 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 all about populism. And I honestly feel like a lot of these tricks that are you know being used in politics nowadays, that Trump uses it, whatever Hungary uh, president uses, I forgot his name. I feel a lot of them are just not being presented to us in in Rome as well. And I don't know if it's just me being insane and paranoid or if it's like 
it's just populism. It's like we're attacking a referee. It's like a common enemy, you know, something that we cannot affect. It's us versus them. It's like, but Putin is using that for Russian <laughs> invasion, the us versus them. Like, don't people understand that it's not a good situation to be in? Um, sorry, I'm ignorant about this. Uh, I can be a bit more philosophical and say it's the oldest trick and it's not necessarily new to modern populist uh, politicians. It's not even something new to, like most people think of like Joseph Goebbels and when propaganda became a term. uh, No, this has gone way back to like when human society was formulated. All religion and culture is pushed through against people's protests like that, right? It's it, it's always the us versus them. It's whatever religion, community you stay in, whatever country you're from, the other are the scary ones and they will do you wrong and we have to band together against them. If we have internal issues, that's what's going to bring us back. Even if I am robbing all of you and I'm a caveman, my stick and I beat you guys up all the time and I steal from you. Across the border, people will just kill you. So let us stay together and at least I'm the one who's going to fight them off. And there's different variations of that has just existed through time. And that's a cult, right? It's I can abuse you and cause you harm, but we are together and your only sense of being is the togetherness of the cult and the togetherness of the code. And that seems to be more important than the human condition than actual truth. So, uh, unfortunately, if you think that it will ever change, the it's the defining premise of human history. Yeah. All I'm getting out of this is that Roma is a trash bin cult. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like I said, Jose has, he's done a lot more kind of propaganda. It's, I don't know if you guys watched the NFL uh, and it started this weekend. Sure, take over, please. Uh, there's, there's a quarterback called Russell Wilson, uh, dangerous, and he was like an incredible quarterback. And um, if Char is like an, uh, I hope I don't. Keyword is was incredible NFL quarterback. History. Yes. But then he, he, there was one Super Bowl where he threw an interception and the, there seems to have been some issues with the defensive players because in NFL, you know, like the two teams are split up. The defenders play by themselves and the offense plays by itself. And they thought that uh, the coach uh, was trying to make him and, you know, the sponsors make him the the MVP, which carries a lot of weight in America. And it's also because he had been a late round draft pick and the team had already been good before he took over and the defense was good and was carrying them. But now that he was good, I think there were internal issues about them seeming like that spotlight is being taken away. But he has regressed since he left that team. And But he's also like married to a singer, Sierra, is a big uh, R&B singer uh, and he he like flat he, you know like he's almost like a politician and he'll be in the commercials he's always he acts very corny like he's something and his new coach Sean Payton who uh, incredible coach who's done a lot of he's also very controversial as well but he basically said you're not running for public office can you like cut out all of this nonsense and focus on your job again and because part of it is he had created like this, he was trying to control his public persona so much that he was doing a lot and a lot of, he was being made a fun of a lot because of all the stupid stuff that he does. And his coach is basically saying, go back to forgetting about the world and forgetting about how everyone treats you and just focus on being a good quarterback again. And maybe that will save your career. And I feel like Jose Marino's very similar in that he is now a lot more concerned about the PR and almost seeming like he's running for office in Rome and being loved by the Romans and creating the Roman cult, us versus everyone else, 
and a lot less concerned about the football or the results. And so, yeah. That's yeah. funny, I've been saying that for months. <laughs> so, thanks. I saw that they wanted to bring uh, Tati back to handle the media because that way they could just let Jose go do his own thing. Why Why would you be bringing back Tati now? It's it's just he said he would. PR. He said he would come back once man uh, once the ownership change. Yeah, I remember I, that. I find it so very insulting. By the way, I like again. I, I sound like a hater of Jose. I'm not. I'm trying to be rational here. To me, this sounds like Jose Mourinho wants to be in control of what the legend of this club does. Um, that to me is just you know. A, I, I read that news and I was just like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. With the desperation of a soldier, my lyrics hold ya. Feel my heart beat even colder. Fighting for my rights, stalking addicts like guerrilla warfare. Now I plan assassinations because the Western nation keeps us in ghettos like an urban reservation. I'll attack your red dawn. No time remaining on point. Military missionaries, however, very. My mind is scary. Preparations from crime. One time, feel me rain. So feel me rain. Black rain. Black rain. Black rain, 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 black rain